This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the show. With me today is my dear friend, Steph Caldwell. She is the founder and CEO of Manifest. She also leads sales at a technology startup called Marriage of Science, based out of Chicago. And she is super, super, super cool and just a absolutely beautiful human being inside out. And I'm really excited for this conversation with her. Hey, Steph. Hi. Thanks Welcome for having to us. the show. Yeah. So and, excited. you know, as we were chatting um, leading up to this recording, um, we were as usual, getting right into the heart of <laughs> what's been present um, for us recently these days. So why don't we start there? That seems like a, a juicy starting point that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to. Yeah. Th- I mean, that's obviously one of my favorite things about spending time with you. <laughs> so we're not like, how's the weather? We're like, what's your soul telling you today? Um, so I just released brand new book, Manifest Her, The Ambitious Woman's Guide to Getting Unstuck, Navigating the Ambiguity of What I Call Your Post-Prescribed Life, and Manifesting Your Biggest Dreams. And this happened literally one week ago today. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. And as an author, as a first-time author, you have this vision for like, we're going to release this, and then something big is going to happen. and. The launch went really well, and I'm very proud of that. And at the same time, I woke up this morning feeling like, what's next? And that moment, I realized this is actually a form of anxiety for me, is now that I've accomplished this thing, I've climbed this mountain that I've thought about climbing for so long and now I've summited, is, holy shit, it's still not over. Holy shit, the journey is still the journey. And I woke up this morning and I was just reflecting on all the feelings that I was feeling around the launch and and what's next. And I started journaling and I started thinking like, okay, I'm having anxiety. Okay. Why is that? Okay. It's because I just delivered something huge from my soul. And I thought that that was finally going to be the thing that made me feel accomplished or done or something that is tangible, measurable, not wishy-washy. Um, and somehow I'm feeling, feeling these ways. And then I started thinking, what is this telling me? Is this telling me that I'm seeking love? I'm seeking validation. I'm seeking things outside of myself. My narrative, and I talk about this in the book, is that I'm never enough. And even in this moment where I'm accomplished in a way that I always wanted to be accomplished. I'm still like, is it enough? And 
think that's a reflection on me is like, is it enough to just love myself? Is it enough to just be? And so I mentioned this to you that, that I was, you know, running around the city this morning on a walk and um, came upon a podcast with Jay Shetty and, and Tom Bilyeu. And at the end of it, Jay Shetty says, you are exactly where you need to be. And it was the exact message that I needed today. And a reminder to kind of snap into the present moment and to be grateful and to be content and content in like a good way, not in a negative connotation way, but content from a space of love and abundance. So that's what's coming up for me today. <laughs> and that's and that's really interesting, right? Because this mountain that you've just summited is something that was in the category of wildest dreams a few years ago. You know, this the the idea that you would start a company and you'd be helping so many young women actualize themselves and you know transform their relationship with themselves and you know create something that's beyond what they think they're capable of and publish a book and you know really put yourself out there in a really really tangible way i mean this is this is the dream that is promised right this is the dream that a lot of people have and there's this idea that as soon as you know you're out there you've you've launched you're a published author you have a company then suddenly all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle will fit and the picture will reveal itself and we are just going to uncover this like incredible peace incredible joy incredible happiness and we're done but in a way that's just one more layer of uncovering of the fact that nothing on the outside has any real bearing on what's on the inside and you know we can't get more perfect we can't be more whole <laughs> than we already are because we are wholeness we are you know that sense of of completion and whatever is here right now is the only thing that there is because that's what's here right and so this idea of the moment being perfect this idea of um being at peace with the way things are almost seems antithetical to entrepreneurship it almost seems you know diametrically opposed to this idea of success and progress and you know making an impact um and you know i've i've had the same sort of challenges myself and it it feels like a tug of war right on on the face of it so how do you how do you create something how do you achieve something how do you succeed um if you're not actually going anywhere <laughs> if you're just stand, standing still in this state of pure presence and pure peace and pure happiness um where is the balance and so what's that journey been like for you so as you mentioned i run a, a women's community manifest and I constantly find that the women in my community are my teachers just as much as they're my students. And I think that that's true, you know, anybody you come across in life, you can always learn and you can always serve. One of them 2 years ago said, I struggle to balance contentment for the present moment and ambition for where I'm going. And I realized that you you need both. And that's really healthy to have both. 
And you can have both in harmony. I don't think balance exists. I think that it's constantly in flux. Um, you can have both if you intend to have both or focus on having both. And so it's interesting if you look at like other aspects of the work that I do, I present research that shows that you need to have big ambitious goals and you should have those on a 10 year horizon and you should map backwards from 10 years to five years to one year to 60 days to this week to what can you do. But if you just have goals and no action, you'll never actually achieve them. So then if you address action, I talk about the importance of systems and processes that lead to those outcomes. And the systems and the processes are showing up day in, day out and being present in the work. And the two work together, but if you only focused on one or the other, you wouldn't go anywhere. And so I think it's the same with ambition and contentment. If you don't have ambitions, then your contentment will run out because you're evolving, you're growing, you're experiencing new things every day, you're becoming a new version of yourself every single day. And if you're not growing in a direction that serves your purpose and serves your creativity and serves, um, serves who you're becoming, then you get bored with that, right? Think of any time you did a monotonous task or a monotonous job for multiple years in a row, no change, no variety, no nuance you become very unhappy very quickly. And at the same time, there is contentment in those moments of I'm, I'm doing the work and I'm showing up for myself and that work may be evolving, but again, you, you really have to have both. And I think folks that only focus on one or the other become very unhappy because it is, you have to focus on both at the same time in order to, to feel joy and peace and purpose. Yeah. And, you know, we see so many examples of this blind quest for um, success, right? And ambition without that corresponding balance of the presence and contentment, right? We, we were talking about there's, um, what's his name? The guy, uh, the big hustle guy, Gary V. Yeah. And even, even Tom Bilyeu, like, you know, the idea of someone's identity being based on them being the hardest worker and, you know, working really hard being a virtue, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with working really hard, but, you know, in my world, it's all about where is that coming from? Where is the hard work coming from? What is the, what does that come from place that is defining your sort of location on your map of consciousness? So you know, for most people, that working hard, that ambition comes from a place of deficit. It's, I'm incomplete. I'm not whole. I'm, there's something missing from me. I'm not good enough. I'm not blank enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not worthy enough. What are all the things, right? And when I achieve ambition, when I achieve goal, when I achieve success, when I achieve wealth or relationship, this is you know, these days, that's another big topic, right? Then I will, you know, be whole. I'll, I'll have all the things. I'll have, you know, the money. I'll have the, the, the book. I'll have the business. I'll have the, you know, the, the podcast. And I'll have all the things. And then magically, you know, all my 
quote unquote problems go away. And that's the trap. And so for the people who come from this place of deficit, where they're chasing, striving, working really hard in a desperate and I would say often innocent, because there is an innocence to this. No one's, or most people aren't doing this in a, in a deliberate way. It's, it's, they can't help it, right? Because there's a, such a strong sense of deficit. Because as we identify with our egos, the ego, by definition, is a fragment of the whole, right? And so when we're identified with the fragment, we feel incomplete. We feel like there's something out there <laughs> that is, you know, not in here. And we go out in search of that and we, you know, start businesses. We, um, you know, take Elon Musk. We, we drill holes into the earth and, you know, create electric car companies. We, um, you know, we create vaccines. We, we run for president. There's this real desire to complete ourselves, to find that wholeness. And th that's what the ego wants right? Because the ego is acutely aware of its finite nature, of its limited um, essence. And so most people, they pursue ambition, they pursue success, they pursue um, growth from this place of deficit. And when we pursue all of these things from that place of deficit, we never fill that deficit, right? The only way we can fill, fill, we can fill that deficit is by seeing through the illusion of the deficit and seeing that there is actually no deficit in the first place, that we are already whole and complete. And the only way we do that is by disidentifying from the ego. And so the come from is, can we work? Because the growth is essential, I think, right, to happiness, because you and I are both obsessed with, um, with growing, with learning, with evolving, and we're relentless at it. It actually makes us really happy. <laughs> it's not work. Um, but when we come from this place of, you know, this piece of success, you know, this, whatever this accolade is, this accomplishment isn't going to give me something that I'm lacking, right? But it's just the exercise of my essence, of my spirit, of my unique imprint, right? Some people may call it soul. Some people may call it, you know, whatever your, psychological or metaphysical DNA is, right? Where you're here to, to bring a certain aspect of creation into the world, right? And that is the, um, to get really esoteric, you know, each of us has a masculine and feminine essence. And the masculine essence is the striving, looking for success, the ambition, the, you know, push, 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 the work, work, work. The feminine is the rest and digest, slow down, you know, be present, uh, love, you know, include, uh, nurture. And when there is a union of our own uh, individual, regardless of gender, our masculine and feminine essence, we give birth to creation, which can come in the form of a book, a business, you know, uh, um, a show, um, whatever. And so a piece of music. And so it seems like life is trying to create through us and the only way we can do so sustainably is by being in that balance. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. And I think going back to what you said, there, 
there's always the push and pull. There's the push and pull of the masculine and the feminine. There's the push and pull of ambition and contentment. There's the push and pull of process and outcome. And I forget exactly what it was that you said, but I think it went back to this idea of like a jigsaw puzzle, you know, the mixture of those two energies want us to complete the puzzle because that's what the ego tells us is the requirement, finish the game, win the game. But the point is the process. The point is the never ending stream of puzzle pieces, expanding the puzzle and the joy of tapping into the mixture of your masculine and feminine is that you get to experience more puzzle pieces on your journey. Those that don't intuit or listen or be enough, be, just exist, to hear from the universe, whatever that that is meant for them, whatever their, their purpose is meant for them, don't get to experience the joy of finding more puzzle pieces as you're on the journey. And I agree, I think that it's not their intention, right? It's um, so many things, right? Their environment may not be conducive to it. If their environment's conducive, they may not be interested or they may not create the space in their life to hear those messages, accept those messages, and then act on those messages. And oftentimes that is because they exist in a fear-based lack scarcity mindset. And again, that's, that's not their intention. They're just not aware. And, and those that, that do kind of align and shift into abundance, I mean, it's so easy to fall back into scarcity. That's, that's the point of the ego is to tell us like there's not enough. But when you are in abundance, which can last for days, it can last for months, it can last for seconds. And that's, that's okay, whatever it is, it will change, whatever it is. You can really start to kind of uncover those new puzzle pieces. And just for the listeners, one book that I've read that really helps me shift every time I feel myself going into scarcity, which clearly I'm kind of existing in right now with just the thoughts that were coming up for me this morning, is Choose Wonder Over Worry by Amber Ray. She's been called the Brene Brown of the millennial generation. She's amazing. But for every scarcity thought that you have, there's an abundant thought waiting to be born. And so you have to like observe that thought as you observe thoughts in meditation and ask for a different entry point, essentially. So um, the scarcity may be uh, like, I'm not enough. That's a pretty big one. But like, Jay Shetty just released a book and now his book is going to get so much more attention than my book. Okay. What's the abundant version of that thought? You know, the self-help self-love industry is growing. And what does that mean? More people than ever before are investing in themselves. What does that mean? The world is becoming a better place because people are waking up to what inspires them and makes them passionate. And what does the world mean more of people that have come alive? Is that a world I want to exist in? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Jay Shetty just released a book. I can't wait to promote his stuff because that 
is what my purpose in life is, is to help more people wake up to their purpose. And if they do that with him versus do that with me, it's all okay. It's all amazing because, because of that different entry point to the same thought. So I love this. And um, my, my philosophy on this is in a way diametrically opposed to this idea. And let's play because this is going to be fun because <laughs> I know you're always up for uh, a spirited discussion. So in my world, using thoughts to convince ourselves of a different reality is a temporary band-aid at best, right? It's like um, convincing ourselves that something that's happening is not you know, as bad as it feels or um, you know, using these cognitive reframes. And there's you know, entire industries, like $100 million industries around this idea of neuro-linguistic programming, which is, you know, using language to uh, reframe your thinking, you reframe your beliefs. And there's hypnosis, uh, you know, uh, using words to uh, reprogram your subconscious mind, um, or there's cognitive behavior therapy. And I'm about to shit on all of these things, uh, just so for the listeners to be fully clued into what's about to happen. In and you know, and I mean no disrespect to anyone who practices this stuff. I love you. I love that what you're doing in the world is trying to help people. And you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. Um, and at the same time, it's busy work for the mind, <laughs> right? We're basically adding more thinking to resolve other thinking right because the you know his book is going to be my more successful than my book oh fuck like i picked you know the worst time to publish a book in this self help section because this guy who's got you know a billion views on all the platforms just announced his book and you know of course like people are going to dot 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 right that's the thought and that's the that's the core not enoughness thought because underneath that thought it's what does it mean about me if dot, 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 you know, fill in the blanks and our brains are amazing at conjuring up thinking around that, you know, it means I'm not good enough. It means I'm not a good enough writer. It means I didn't do enough before I've launched the book to make the book a success, you know, and so on and so forth. And my assertion is that the primary cause of suffering is our thinking. And adding more thinking, almost like we're in a, a mental courtroom and there is the prosecutor who's saying, you know, Steph, like your book isn't good enough because, you know, obviously Jay Shetty's book is going to sell a lot more, you know, and then there's a defense attorney who's saying no, but, you know, and this is the, this is the place where all the cognitive reframes come in, right? That courtroom battle only creates more suffering. It creates more activity in the mind. And what we're actually after is the absence of that activity because all of our suffering is created from that activity. 
because when the mind is still when it's at rest and when it is completely peaceful then really there's no problems right so if i was to ask you a question which is without referencing thought or memory can you tell me what the problem is in this case with the book what could you tell me about your experience of this problem it's a difficult question and i don't have an answer and the thing is you know we all our problems the 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 common piece of all our problems is the thinking right and that thinking arises out of the activity of the ego because the ego wants to prove its worth the ego wants to be good enough the ego wants to justify its worth because the ego is always afraid of its death and because the ego is always afraid of its death all fear comes down to fear of death and something like you know book being number 24 on the bestseller list versus number 4 to the ego means that you know death is imminent because oh my god <laughs> and so it throws up this flurry of thinking which we experience as not good enoughness you know unworthiness um needing to be somewhere else like i will be happy if you know this book was a bestseller i will be happy if i had a million dollars in my bank i would be happy if my company was you know did this much a year and you know we think that adding more courtroom drama to argue with that original thinking of not enoughness will bring peace and will sort of bring us rest because what is success success is in believing that um you know this whatever is happening um in a logical thinking way um a lot of people say you know it's happening for you it's happening you know it's the the universe is conspiring in your favor which may be true but that's just more things to believe that's more stuff to hold in our minds so i'm playing with this radical idea what if we experienced a state of radical acceptance where everything right was just okay and rather than arguing with ourselves into tricking ourselves about you know things being okay we actually went to the cessation of the thinking directly into our true nature of being inherently whole inherently peaceful inherently good enough because in a way that is who we are right and when i say in a way i mean that is actually who we are we're masquerading as steph and ani right there is an awareness that is looking out through your eyes and that awareness is unchanging right can you remember ever a break in that awareness i want to <clears throat> i want to share this first yeah so when we're born my friend just had a baby last week yeah there is no awareness of me yes there's there's just existence there's yes. just being yeah and the second that we come into the world 
we have needs, right? I'm right. cold, I'm crying, I'm hungry, right. I'm crying, I'm all of these things. And I'm now aware you are and you aren't when you're, you know, that yeah. little, <laughs> yeah. um, that you have needs outside of you, right? And so in the first minute of our existence in this physical form in the world as we know it, we are seeking sources external to us to fulfill our needs and desires. Now, do I agree with you that if we could take off the veil of ego and just be source, that there is complete peace awaiting us, whatever that is? Yes, absolutely. Do I believe that we are all 100% connected in some way that that we are living in the matrix. I know you and I have talked a lot about that in the past. Yes. That being said, I think that we can have, again, it goes back to goals and processes, right? We can have this goal of I am source, but that's not attainable for 99% of the world's population, right? Like maybe if you're a monk living in the Himalayas or wherever they live, maybe just maybe you can kind of tap into that. But a lot of our worldly existence and, you know, in America for sure, but think about third world countries is very tangible, very here and now and very need-based because of the existence that we have and the need to seek food, shelter, things outside of us to provide that safety. And so I agree with what you're saying in that we make it more difficult on ourselves than what is necessary. And the reason that we do that is because we are constantly having these courtroom battles in our head. I'm hungry. No, I'm not hungry. I need this. No, I don't need this. It's cold. Okay. I'm not cold, you know? <clears throat> and I am confident in saying this. I just went through my yoga teacher training and I am by no means a guru or a yogi, but I read an incredible um, work that talks a lot about the yoga sutras and there's, there's many of them, but, um, one of the concepts that really stood out to me was this concept of samskaras and they are essentially the neural pathways, um, these grooves in our brain or neurology, if you will, that information passes through, right. And the more we've depended on some specific thing, the deeper that groove is. So this need for food, right. That is a samskara. And every time you feel an ounce of hunger, information flows through that groove. And the intention of yoga in many ways is to observe your samskaras, understand how information is flowing, and, and do that reframe, do that courtroom battle. And I think that that is a necessary process. And this is the reason why yogis do meditation. This is the reason why yogis use um, the asanas is to access those observations so they can ultimately move towards that state of, of bliss um, or um, satya or I, 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 th I don't know if that's the right term actually but yes yeah, satya is peace and yeah exactly ananda is is bliss so I'm sure you came across the phrase satchit ananda existence consciousness bliss that is consciousness is our existence and that existence is bliss pointing to the fact that our true nature is already bliss. But I think it's messy. <laughs> I think the human experience is messy. I, is complete, what I'm I completely agree with you. And that messiness is the illusion. Exactly. 
right? And here's the thing, like when someone's hungry, it's very direct, right? Most people, they don't argue about that, right? So in the example of a baby, I mean, it's very clear for the baby when the baby wants food. And there's a direct mechanism where the baby cries out because the baby wants to be fed, right? And there isn't a cognitive um, activity that gets kicked up because the baby wants to be fed. And that impulse is actually pre-thought. It's pre-ego. So you're absolutely spot on in that, you know, when babies come into the world, they don't, they haven't developed a sense of self. They haven't developed, you know, an ego structure. They're just pure embodied awareness. And when they have a need, they interact with their environment in a very simple way. They cry (laughs) and then they get, you know, fed. And that's sort of the, that's part of the, the wiring that we come into the world as human beings with. And we see this in the animal kingdom as well. Um, This, and, you know, I, I completely see your perspective. This is a very hard thing for most people to grasp because what this is pointing to, this is a radical idea, right? That you don't have to meditate on top of a monk, um, you know, actually on top of a mountain, meditate like a monk on top of a mountain. I still have Jay Shetty stuck in my head. You know, you, <laughs> you don't need to live in an ashram for 10 years to, you know, quiet your mind. You don't need to meditate for, um, you know, thousands of hours. Life is meditation if we choose to see it that way, right? Because this is the exact opposite of what, you know, almost everyone is saying, which is you don't have to work for wholeness. You don't have to work for peace. To me, um, and I'm happy to disagree with anyone, you know, on this, and I, and I actually welcome it because that's how I think we get to a place of healthy discourse. The idea that any human being has to do something, has to meditate or read a bunch of self-help books or, you know, whatever it is, um, even do yoga to experience their true nature, to me, doesn't make any sense because that's already who we are, right? It's like the, you know, on, in any book, right? We see when we open the book, when you open a page, um, even your favorite book, choose wonder over worry. Um, our eyes naturally go to the black text, right? The eyes gravitate to the text and we start reading the text. But what we almost always miss is the white page that the text is on, right? And we, we can ask this question, what is the book? Is the book the black text, the black ink, or is the book the white pages, right? The black text is our thinking, is our thoughts, right? In the absence of our thoughts, we are completely at peace. And in the space between our thoughts, we're completely at peace, right? So most people, without ever having meditated, have experienced a state in between their thoughts where they're just blank. (laughs) And that is what I would call being the white page, being the space in which those thoughts are arising. And when we identify with the thoughts, then we literally become, we feel what the thoughts imply. And that might be, you know, I'm not good enough when we feel really shitty. But if we can 
zoom out almost and recognize that we are the space in which those thoughts are arising that our our true nature is not being the thought that is creating you know the belief which is creating the story which is creating our narrative identity of like i'm so and so and i was born here and i achieved all these things and i was great at math and i sucked at art class and you know my music teacher told me that i'm tone deaf and i should never try to sing again and that gave me trauma and i never sang any song out loud or whatever story we spin about ourselves that keep us trapped in this web of limitations and you know i i see you as someone who's actually done this in a way you know you you there is nothing in your you know childhood that you know told you that hey you're going to grow up and you're going to be leading a a company at a really high level and you'll also start another company um where you'll be helping you know thousands of women actualize themselves and connect to their purpose and manifest their dreams and you'll also write a book right not all of this was sort of outside your primary identity and you've been refactoring that almost like as you've gone along so what's that journey been like for you like does this feel like a really unlikely place to end up like at what point in your journey did you was there something that sort of reoriented you to this to who you are today I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I think I want to first respond to something that you said that sure. resonated. Sure. Which is going back to this idea of the words on the page. So there's the words which are the thoughts and then there's the white space between that and around it that is the absence of that. A couple months ago we were going through a branding exercise for Manifest and we started asking ourselves, you know, why is our programming so successful? And what we realized is we gave space for women to share their stories where they were coming into an environment that was safe and that was context free. So you could show up as you are, who you are, with the story that you've told yourself is your story and nobody was there to contradict it to tell you that that wasn't your story um or to deny you of your existence and then when you share those stories and you hear from all of these women how they perceive their journeys and their existence there's natural comparison that happens because who would you be if you couldn't compare your story to someone else's and i think what resonated with me about what you said about the the words on the pages and the the blank space on the pages is who would you be if you didn't have those thoughts or if you didn't have the words and the white space to compare and so when you asked me the question 
you know, talk about my journey and did I expect that these would be the thoughts that I was having, the titles that I would be living, the existence that would, that I could take ownership over. It's a difficult question to answer because the white space is no, this isn't, this isn't my path. This isn't my journey. This isn't my existence because in the absence of thought or ego, none of that exists or matters. (laughs) And then there's also the words on the page, which is, was I always good at speaking and writing in English? And did people always tell me like you are inspiring and give me titles that I felt the need to live up to because the ego wants to live up to the external expectations of the world? Yes. So is it natural that I would be doing these things? Absolutely. So it's both. Yeah. What I what I love about that particular analogy is that the way I see it, that white page, the blank white page, is pure possibility. Like that is the birthplace of the infinite. And anything is possible, right? And I, I often ask people the question, who would you be without your story? Like who would you be if your all your memory was wiped out and you just, right now, you were, you had no memory of anything including your name. It's like that movie. Um, I forget the name. I'm not good at names, apparently. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he wakes up in a hotel room, in a motel room, actually, and he has no memory of anything. He doesn't know his name. He doesn't know where he's from. And he just has a bunch of stuff written with permanent marker on his body that he wrote. Uh Um, But, you know, forget, imagine there's no permanent marker and there's no nothing on your body. And you have no idea who you are. To me, that means anything is possible. You can be anyone, right? And something really fun to imagine is what if you were, you know, Einstein and, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Superman and all your, you know, all your idols rolled into one who had just gotten amnesia and completely forgotten who they are, right? Like, what if you were actually pure possibility? What if you could be anything? What if you could be anyone? And one of the many things that I love about you is that you've, you've continually sort of reinvented yourself. And, you know, in some way you've, you've looked into yourself and been like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And you write the letters right? You take that blank page and you write the letters that you want to write. You write your story. And by giving these women this blank page to exist, (laughs) right? Where the story isn't written. It's not the story that they bring into the space. You're giving them the opportunity to do the same, to create themselves, to, to write themselves into existence not in the way, you know, their parents or society or school or whatever, their job, like, wants them to be. But, you know, who they're inspired to be. And that's really cool. That's really cool. It's really exciting that... that my story has given me the opportunity to help women write their own and to own their own. And that's 
it's why in our branding, actually, this <laughs> branding exercise, it was own your story, find authentic community, communities that don't define you, you kind of define them and step into who you were born to be. Goosebumps. <laughs> so as we wrap up, what would you like to share with people as, you know, words of wisdom, advice, just stuff you've picked up on your journey and, you know, things that have come to you that you feel are the sort of poignant distillation of your, of your experience? No I pressure. The, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is actually the perfect question. I think that, you know, whoever's listening, maybe there's some aspiring author that's like, I can't wait to write a book. Um, and they think, like I thought, I'm going to get done with that book and it's going to be great. And then I'll be happy. You know, the if then conditional, I'll love myself when that we all struggle with. Even when we don't struggle with it, we struggle with it. The advice, no, the wisdom I'll share <laughs> is it's not the point of this exercise. The point is the process. The point is who you become as you do these things. And the becoming never stops. Um, a CEO, an incredible woman that I love, her name's Lindsay Schwartz. She's the CEO of Powerhouse Woman. She actually posted on Instagram yesterday the exact message that I needed at the exact right time. Um, she was like, who we're becoming would scare us if we could see what it looks like. You know, the, the end all be all kind of on your deathbed, who you're becoming, that would scare you. You're not ready for that, which is why we're only able to see so far ahead. For me, it was become the author, right? I could see that and now I'm there, right? But if, if whatever's coming to me for this worldly existence that I have is, I know it's big. I know it's, it's, it's going to change lives around the world. If I could see what that is now, I would be afraid to pursue it. And so again, the point is the process. The point is the journey. The point is every single day being the words and being the white page. So just relinquish expectation and you know, be pragmatic. Again, have ambitions, have contentment, but enjoy the process. That's profound. Well, honey, I only say profound things. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't expect anything less. <laughs> but, you know, it's especially profound because this is lived experience. You're not speaking, you know, based on something you read or heard. Like, this is... And I want, I want listeners to just look for the difference in the resonance between someone speaking from lived experience and someone, you know, sharing stuff that they read. There's nothing wrong with that. But this carries a different vibration because this is, you know, in a way, this is what we open the conversation with, right? And nothing is more um, readily bioavailable than someone's lived experience because we really see it. We see how real it is. And um, 
you know, that, that being present in the process is like, it's the biggest gift we can give ourselves, you know, and I forget that all the time. And then I come back to it and I forget it. And <laughs> that's the journey, the remembering and the <laughs> that's forgetting. That's the journey. It is. And what a journey this has been. Um, I just want to say again, congratulations on your book. It's, uh, it's such an act of love. Your book is such an act of love. And uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to lift up and inspire a lot of people. And that's how you love the world. And that's how you love yourself. And long may yeah. the journey continue to bring beautiful moments of process. <laughs> Tell the listeners where they can find you. I am at by Steph Caldwell, Steph of the F, everywhere. My website, my Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, find me there. Um, I can't wait to have a conversation with whoever heard this and is listening and wants to chat. Yeah, and what an exciting, amazing chat that'll be if it's anything like the chats we've had over the years. Steph, it's <laughs> been such a pleasure. Can't wait to continue this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was so good to hang out and talk. I miss yeah. you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com. Ani